morning, Huntsville Christian Church. Welcome as we continue in our series on Joshua as John talks to us this Sunday about faith in God's provision. This week we're doing chapters 15 and 16. Chapter 15 begins with the allotment of land for the clans of the tribe of Judah, followed by Caleb being given the land that was promised to him. Then 85-year-old Caleb starts conquering the surrounding lands. He drove out people, and then he offered his daughter's hand in marriage to whoever could conquer a particular city. A man named Othniel was able to capture the city and married Caleb's daughter, Axa. If you didn't get a chance to read chapter 15 this week, please do so, and you will see how fathers spoil their daughters. The remainder of the chapter just tells us how all the lands was given to the children of Judah as they were able to capture them. Then Joshua 16 details the allotment of land to the sons of Joseph. These are chapters in the Bible sometimes we skim over, we speed read, or we even skip altogether. However, rereading these chapters remind me that God keeps his promises. While reading this week, I was reminded of a book that the ladies group studied a couple of years ago entitled Believing God. In that book, the author wanted us to remember five things as a result of that study. And the first two things tie into the last few chapters of Joshua. The first thing the author wanted us to remember is God is who he says he is. The second thing the author wanted us to remember is God can do what he says he can do. And those two things reminded me, reading these chapters this week, that faith in God's provisions always comes through. Thank you, Ms. Lillian. As, uh, as she said, we, we look into these two chapters specifically, and it's about properties being divided up and, and things like that. And it's in those, those areas where as you're skimming through and as you begin to study, as you make that transformation, you, well, for me, uh, I had some reflection points. And so heads up, today I'm going to be a little transparent. Some of you may not be ready for that. So go ahead and get your tissues out. Some of us will cry today. Probably me. I cry at Publix commercials, so it's okay. It's that season. You know what I'm talking about. That little salt and pepper shaker dressed as pilgrims. They get me every year. But uh, we finished off last Sunday talking about Caleb and how he wholly trusted in God. He got his inheritance and, and even how he was prepared to go and fight for that inheritance. But God told Joshua, I myself will drive out the kings that are before you. I, I challenged everyone last week to wholly trust in God. When I, when I got to the end, I said, as you go this week, Holy trusting God. Allow him to go before you this week. So pop quiz, did you do it? Three of you did. Okay, good. Thanks for coming. Uh, did you try it? Did you at least try it? Did you attempt it? Did he answer? Or are you still waiting on an answer? Because that's okay too. You see, Caleb waited on an answer until he was 85 years old. That action to the answer finally came. God gave it to him concerning his inheritance. Maybe you're still hoping for that. You're still waiting for an answer. You're still praying for that, whatever that is. But as we look at Joshua chapters 15 and 16 this week, 
as we read through the allotments of the land and, and these uh, inheritances coming to the children of Israel, the life of Caleb reminded me, inspired me, and has taught me to never give up, to never quit. As we look at God's word this morning, I want you to consider like Caleb did, what big thing do you still need to do before God calls you home to the promised land? What mountain does God want you to climb? What giants need to be slain in your life? Hey, what scares you? What scares you? Holler it out. What scares you? Say it louder. Uh, hold on. What'd you say? Growing old. AJ said nothing scares him. Broken bones are scary. What scares you? Needles. Okay. Needles. Mitzi. Mitzi, spiders. Mitzi doesn't like spiders. And, and this week she had, uh, she was reading with a group of kids about spiders. And she said, I got in my car to leave from work and a little spider dropped down from the rearview mirror. She's like, yeah, almost drove in a ditch trying to smash that thing. I said, no, pull over next time. Just let it out. Anyway, we, something scares all of us. AJ, the older you get, you'll find it. It'll scare you. It, it'll be me jumping out from behind a bush. I'll be like, bah! Uh, something scares us. Maybe it's taxes. Maybe taxes scare you. I don't know. Maybe retirement scares you. Maybe, well, will I get that next job? There are a lot of things that scare us. What still holds you back from giving all you have to God? What holds you back from being like Caleb at 85 years old saying, hey, God said I can have that mountain. I'm going to go get it. I'm going to run those people off. What's holding you back? I think that Caleb is the one, and this is not in the Bible, it's just in my mind. I think Caleb came up with that old saying, the bigger they are, the harder they fall. He wasn't afraid of those giants. He was like, I got this. My God before me has this. Because you see, when, when we have faith in God, our giants, those things we're afraid of, they become like grasshoppers. Joshua 15, 14 tells us, and Caleb drove out from there the three sons of Anak, Sheshay and Ahiman and Talmai, the descendants of Anak. Those three were literal giants. They were big. And Caleb, with the help of God, defeated them. And our God will always do his part. God will slay our giants too if we trust him. So as we get started this morning, I need you to answer this question, whether you're at home or in the building. Do you trust God? Do you wholly trust God? All right. Caleb followed God wholeheartedly for his whole life. God said all the way back in Numbers, and he said it twice in reference to Caleb. It's in, in, um, um, in sorry, in, in, in Numbers and twice in Joshua chapter 14. God said this about Caleb. He said, Caleb also wholly followed the Lord. He said, Caleb was not divided. He was totally focused on God and God's will. Nothing became him, came between Caleb and God. And God even made note of that in Numbers and in Joshua chapter 14. Um, his personal desires did not come between he and God. His family did not come between he and God. His fears, uh, whatever they were, did not come between he and God. His personal dreams, his self-love, his pride, none of those things came between him and God. Only God was first and foremost in Caleb's life and then everything else came beyond that. I always say the only thing we have to do, Christians, is honor God. If we do that first, everything else is going to work out. That's what Caleb did. That's how he lived his life. That's why we know that he wholly trusted and honored God. 
He was successful. He was fearless because his heart and his mind were totally given to trusting God. Is there something in your life? And remember, you already shared what your fears are. And if you didn't say them out loud, you at least thought about them. Is there something in your life that is keeping you from wholly following God? You said you trust him, but there's a difference between trusting and following. All right? Is there something in your life that's keeping you from wholly following God? Now, don't answer that out loud, but I want you to think about it. I want you to consider what giant may be keeping you from wholly following God. I think you're beginning to see that Caleb wholly trusted and followed and lived for God. You know what else that we can also, that we can all be encouraged and challenged by from Caleb? He didn't just do that for himself. As I was reading through all these allotments and this territories and all this stuff, I see this, this picture of Caleb where he passed on his faith and his trust in God to the next generation. And we're going to look at that. It's only about three or four verses. It's in Joshua chapter 15, verses 16 through 19. And this is Caleb. Caleb says, Whoever strikes Kiriath Sefer and captures it, to him I will give Aksa, my daughter, as wife. And Othniel, the son of Kenaz and brother of Caleb, captured it, and, gave, and he gave him Aksa, his daughter, as wife. And it's something you need to consider here. I, I like to pause when you, when you think about that. Um, cultural things and traditions happened differently back then, okay? Caleb is not merely just trading his daughter for land. I don't want people to read that. They go, oh, it's so horrible. He's securing his family's lineage and his provision for his daughter and for generations to come. You see, Othniel was part of the family lineage in Caleb's tribe. And it's just how culturally things were done. This isn't some kind of a, a political move like we would see kings do to protect a kingdom and merge things together. It, it wasn't that kind of a, of a setup. All right, so keep that in mind. Now, verse 18, I love verse 18. When she came to him, this is his daughter, uh, uh, to Othniel, she urged him to ask her father for a field. And she got off her donkey and Caleb said to her, what do you want? And so they're before Caleb. And she says to Caleb, the daughter says to the father, give me a blessing. <gasps> Gasp. Since you have given me the land of the Negev, give me also springs of water. And the Bible says, and he gave her the upper springs and the lower springs. You see, Othniel and Aksa learned from Caleb's example. Uh, now, I, I like to look at things as in victory and loss and, and that kind of stuff. This whole uh, later half of Joshua is about battles and, and overcoming things and mountains and valleys and victories. And right here, Othniel and Aksa both learned some things from Caleb's example, from his faith. Then this is what I talk about. He passed that on to the generation below him. And, and that's a challenge that's coming at you all is that we need to not only have faith and not only wholly trust in God, but we need to be prepared to pass that on to the generation that's coming in behind us. And so here's three ways uh, very quickly that Othniel um, learned from Caleb's example, that he benefited from Caleb's example. Caleb's example. The first one is victory. Uh, Othniel with his men, uh, which were mostly family, struck down and captured Kiriath Sefer. All right. He, he went in and he took, he took that mountain. He took that area. And, and so in doing so, uh, like any good Hallmark story, Othniel wins over the love of his life. Hey, if you do this, you can have my daughter. How, how about King David? He, he was given a challenge. Go out and, and uh, retrieve for me uh, the foreskins of the Philistine. And he, he went out and he brought back twice as many. 
and he was able to marry um, uh, the king's daughter. And so that kind of stuff happens. But here we have Othniel. He, he fights this battle. He inherits land. He wins over uh, Aksa. It's like an 80s love song here, people. All right. I, maybe you know it. The, the guy comes in. He's crooning. He's got the microphone. And I was going to have Lorna play this, but then she said I can't sing it. So, but it, but it will quote it for you. Just like a knight in shining armor. If you know it, you can sing along. From a long time ago. We'll get there, Dave. I see you tapping. Just in time, I will save the day. Take you to my castle far away. I am the man who will fight for your honor. I'll be the hero you're dreaming of. And we'll live forever knowing together that we did it all for the glory of love. That's the background music, that song for the glory of love. You're welcome, by the way. It'll be stuck in your head later. But that's the background music I hear when I read this about Othniel and Aksa and this whole little scenario. He's like, I'm going to conquer that mountain. I'm going to take you away. We're going to get this land. And now we've got these rivers that are going to water it. It's like, yeah, it's great. But the third way that he won is he became the son-in-law of Super Caleb. I mean, come on. He had the favor of Caleb. And, and because he trusted God, because he allowed God to use him, because he also allowed God to go before him to defeat and capture Kiriath Sephir. Remember, God said to Joshua, I will go before you. I will drive them out. There, there wasn't a lot of hard work that had to be done. It, it had to be faith. And so for Othniel, it was the same kind of trusting in God as he went and ran them out. And, and so... Uh, it's just cool. He's, he's got this great father-in-law, this figure who's passing the, this legacy of faith and trust in God to his new son-in-law, to his daughter, to, into their family, this investment. But his daughter, Aksa, she also learned a couple of things from Caleb's faith, from his example. And what you need to know, again, culturally speaking, it, it's not customary for daughters to receive an inheritance. They're not even supposed to ask for it. And she comes in and she makes this bold request. And, and she didn't just ask for like, hey, can I have the, the nice clay pots and the watering jar and the, the dishes or, or something? She didn't ask for some family recipe stuff. She didn't, she didn't ask for something like, can I have that quilt that great-grandmother made? She went to her dad and she said, hey, you gave us this land. Can we have some springs to water it as well? Now, in a world that's mostly desert, water's more valuable than gold. And she's asking for the rights to, so that her land will flourish. She's asking for something she has, culturally speaking, uh, she has no business asking for this. Daughters don't get those kind of gifts. They get something handed down maybe from the women, but they don't get land. They don't get wells. They don't get that kind of stuff. They don't get springs and, and, and stuff. That was considered the men's bidding in those times. But she respectfully, lovingly, and somewhat fearlessly approaches her father. And he says, what do you want? And she says, just the springs to water the land that you've given us. She shows appreciation for this gift. She shows that she wants this, this gift to be something continual. And she gets exactly what she asked for. Now, I'm sure everyone around Caleb also learned from his faith and his boldness and his examples and how he loved his Lord, how he provided for his family. Church family, I'll tell you something. Our kids, your kids, 
have watched us, have watched you through the years. Our grandkids are watching. Our nieces and our nephews are watching. Our neighbors are watching. Our co-workers are watching. Our brothers and sisters in Christ are watching. My question for you this morning is this. Are we leaving them a bold faith to follow? Are we showing them like Caleb did? Are we showing them that we wholly trust in God? Listen, this may come as a surprise to some of you, but I am not a perfect man by any means. I know. I've made mistakes. Some of them bigger than others. My family, both sides, uh, have, have all made mistakes. But I got to tell you, I'm, I'm proud and I'm grateful that like Othniel, I've been able to marry into a family where my father and my mother-in-law and my in-laws in general talk about and we live out our faith to follow God. I always say that Mitzi got the short end of the in-law stick when she married my family. And it's not that I don't like my family, but I don't have much of them left. My parents are both passed away. All my grandparents are passed away. And it happened a while back. She didn't really get a whole lot. And, and I have this blessing of, of her mom and dad and her, her brother and her sisters and, and, and cousins. And, and like, it's, it's fun to be around. And, and here's the thing. Uh, my in-laws talk about and live out their faith to follow God. No matter what comes our way, the, the family phone calls on a diagnosis, on, on a ministry transition, on unexpected life happenings, on kids growing up and making mistakes, whatever it is, as a family, it starts because Mike and Teresa Grant have raised their children to wholly trust in God. And then somewhere along the way, I got to come along like Othniel. I showed up. I was like, hey, I want to be part of this. I'm sure we all could have done better and can do better along the way, okay? I'm not like putting them up on an unrealistic pedestal, but I'm thankful that my father-in-law and my mother-in-law have lived out their faith for the next generation, for their kids and for their grandkids. No matter where they served, no matter what church they served at, no matter where they went. I remember a few things very specifically. Uh, Mike and Teresa decided, and this was not a whim, for 20 years, at least once a year, sometimes twice a year, they would go into Haiti, in the, into um, the far west. They would just go all over Haiti to work with, with ministers and, and just to invest in people and churches in Haiti all around the area. And, and I remember at one point they sold everything they had so that they could move to Haiti and for several years they stayed out in, in Beauchamp, which is the far west part of Haiti, and Mike specifically worked with ministers and churches so that they could uh, um, just be taught and, and serve and thrive in those communities. And the funny thing is, people actually asked him. They thought he was having a midlife crisis. They were like, whoa, you've, you're 18 or so years into ministry. You're 20 years into ministry and you're going to sell everything and go to Haiti? Are you okay? Is that, is that a midlife crisis? And Mike would say, no, if I was having a midlife crisis, I would sell everything to buy like an RV and a Corvette, not... You know, I wouldn't sell everything so I could have a four-wheeler and travel around dirt and dust in Haiti. Uh, but I, people asked him that. He said, no, you buy sports cars when you have midlife crises. When you go to Haiti, you're, you're following where God's leading you. And like Caleb, they wholly trusted God. I remember another time, it was time for Mitzi's grandmother, Teresa's mom, to move in with one of her daughters and their family. It was just that season of life. And Mike and I um, and Dylan were, were actually hiking on the Appalachian Trail at this time. And Mike and Teresa had just started a new ministry. He hadn't been there, I don't even think, a year. 
And, but it was on Teresa's heart to take care of her mom. And Mike and I, we were hiking with Dylan on the Appalachian Trail. And we're talking about it. And, and this is what struck me. And, and this is what I was thinking about as I'm reading about uh, Caleb and, and Othniel and, and Aksa. Mike said, you know, Teresa has gone with me literally all over the world. They've been on mission trips to the Philippines. They spent countless days in Haiti, both on just short-term trips, but then living there. And he said, she has uh, gone all over the world with me, following and serving and trusting God. And she has never once said, I won't go there. I, I won't do this. But she wants to take care of her mom right now. He says, so when we finish this hike, I'm going to resign at the church and we're going to move back to Florida to take care of Nanny. I said, what are you going to do to provide for her, for the family. He said, whatever it takes. He said, I'll, wor I'll work at Walmart. I'll work at Lowe's for a few years. I'll, I'll preach where I'm needed. I'll, I'll do whatever it takes. He said, I know this. Whatever I do, God's going to take care of us. He said, because for over 20 years, she has supported me in my ministry as my wife, and she has gone by my side everywhere we've gone. And this is the only thing she's ever asked is to be there to care for her mom for these next few years. He said, I'm going to do that. Uh, it's the right thing for me to do. And they did it. And there were, there were no regrets. And I got to tell you, God went before them. He provided for them the whole way through. Mike didn't have to actually work at Walmart. He was able to preach and do other things. Um, and, and again, my in-laws are not perfect. All right. But they are examples of faith and obedience. They wholly trusted the same God that Caleb did. And our God is still doing his part. He's still going before us when we wholly trust in him. And I'm sure if you guys were brave and I would force you to come up here, some of you in this room could tell stories of when you wholly trusted in God and things beyond your wildest imagination have happened. And they've been really great stories and you should write a book about them and consider that and how you could... Trust God with that story of the things you've done. And yes, some of you, I'm looking directly at you because I know your life stories and I know the things you've done. That's why we need to be examples, brothers and sisters, of faith and obedience to our God and our community, to our fellow Christians, to our families, but especially to that younger generation. And so today, this morning, at this moment, I want to challenge each of us to be bold, to stay faithful, stay active. 85 years, Caleb was faithful. He was bold. He was active in his relationship with God. He was focused in his relationship with God. He was focused on God's will. Stay engaged. Keep on encouraging. There are mountains to conquer. There are giants to slay. But remember this. Our inheritance is waiting for us. So never quit. And keep on inspiring others for God. Church family, I said this last week and I will repeat it this week. There's a lot that we can learn from Caleb, from his life, from his example. He has a lot that, we can, that he can teach us. Caleb had a different spirit. God said that back in Numbers. I don't know all that God meant by saying Caleb had a different spirit, but I know this. We can see in his life example that his, this spirit drove him to wholly trust in God, to be fearless because of God. At church, I want to let you know, we have God's Spirit living in us. Acts 2.38 says, when we repent of our sins, we were baptized, we will be given forgiveness for our sins, we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. We have His Spirit in us, and that should make us fearless like Caleb. 
precious gift of the Holy Spirit. This should lead us to holy trust in God in every circumstance. The one who lives in us is greater than the one who lives in this world. We are more than conquerors. We are the called out ones. God has called us to be an example of his grace and truth and forgiveness to this world, to his world, to be a reflection of him in his world. Do you wholly trust him? Let him go before you. Let him work in your life as you trust him. Caleb also had an undaunted faith. Nothing scared him because he knew God was on his side. Think about his life. Being born into slavery did not scare Caleb. Giants didn't scare Caleb. Wandering in the desert didn't scare Caleb. Age didn't scare Caleb. No mountain was too big, no giant was too strong or too tall, and no time frame was too long. Time is one of those things that scares all of us. We either have too much of it or too little of it. No time frame was too long. He waited for God to do his part. And all through his life, Caleb did his part. He wholly trusted God and God blessed him along the way. He provided for him. He kept him healthy. He was still strong and physically fit at 85 years old. So as we come to our response time this morning, I want to challenge you to redefine your faith if that's what you need to do. Right now this morning, between you and God, I don't care where you've been. It doesn't matter how long you've wandered in the desert. It doesn't matter what battle you've been trying to fight on your own all this time. But it's time for us to have faith in God's provision. And so today at this moment, I challenge each of us to be like Caleb. Be bold, stay faithful, stay focused on God as you go to win others into a relationship with him. As you follow his will for your life. I don't know what you need to do this morning to do your part. If baptism for the forgiveness of your sins, to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit is, is what you need to do. The baptistry is just in the other room. We can go do that. If you need to rededicate your life to wholly trust God and wholly trust in God again, then let's do that. Our elders are here. They'd love to pray with you and to be accountable with you in that decision. But whatever your response is this morning, to stay active as you commit to grow in your relationship with God, let today be the day that you respond differently to his word as we stand and sing our response song. Stay engaged and keep on encouraging.